So just to be clear, Ben, you will be eating during this podcast. Some of it. What are you eating? One jammy daughter and two chocolate chip biscuits. Okay. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Of that, you can be doubly certain. Hello, Nick Briggs here, joined by my now seven-year-old son, Ben, who's got a jammy dot around his mouth. Uh, When did you become seven, Ben? Uh, I'm sure we all understood that. I think it was June the 28th. As you may well know, Big Finish Productions are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audiobooks. There's Doctor Who, Torchwood, Blake Seven, Dark Shadows, Pathfinder, Legends, The Avengers, Survivors, The Omega Factor, The Adventures of Bernice Summerfield, Sherlock Holmes, The Prisoner, Knight of the Triffids, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, Treasure Island, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Phantom of the Opera, Terror Hawks, The Sigmund Freud Files, The Martian Chronicles, The Scarifiers, and other stuff too. Take a look at bigfinish.com and uh, find out for yourself Uh, what can you expect from this podcast well coming up in a moment the latest big finish news that'll be followed by the latest emails from big finish listeners then there'll be our guest star interview with arguably the uk i'm having trouble with my headphones Uh, arguably the uk's most famous and successful vocal impersonator or impressionist as we often call them ben's nodding John Colshaw. John is also an actor and a massive Doctor Who fan, which is why he's ended up being in several of our Doctor Who productions and other productions. I caught up with him at the recording for a top secret fourth Doctor adventure. Following that, there'll be time for our Randomoid Selectatron to select a random release from the Big Finish archive for me to talk about and for you to revisit or get hold of it for the first time. Yes, it's all sell, sell, sell. Thank you, Ben. Then just before I tell you what's coming up in the next podcast, I shall probably find time to tell you what the latest releases from Big Finish are. Oh, yes. Okay, uh, before we go to the news, uh, Ben, mm-hmm. in the last podcast, you were listening to the ISOS network. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah. Prepare to breach atmosphere. All hands, prepare to breach atmosphere. Seal all pressure doors, secure bulkheads. Thrust building to maximum burn. Setting angle of descent. Now. Execute. Vast, shiny walkways stretched as far as the eye could see. <laughs> they really do travel much faster than your commoner garden slugs, don't they? Yes, but where are they taking us, Doctor? Uh, I've no idea. Who are these aliens? They are known as Cybermen. Jamie? Oh, oh dear. Do not move. Cybermen! Uh, uh, we mean you no harm. Uh, we surrender. But you see, the thing is, Captain, I don't know anything about the disappearance of your colonists. So you keep saying. And yet an energy trace was detected on this planet. And when we arrived here, we discovered that energy trace was coming from some sort of crate that you freely admit belongs to you. They showed no mercy, the Cybermen. We must revive the Cyber Controller Unit for further instructions. The Doctor is recognised. Any thoughts to add to that? Mm, not really. Okay. Um, have you uh, 
ever wondered about going back and listening to more of it? I'm not really sure. Okay, well, let's move on to easier territory for you. Um, tell us about your birthday party. Oh, uh, nothing. I can't remember anything because it's now July the second. <laughs> I know June the twenty eighth. That was June the twenty sixth, wasn't it? Your... No, the twenty eighth. That's your birthday, but your birthday party was two yeah. days earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't remember anything about it. No, because now it's because now it's July the second. I I got that. Yes. I, anyone who has a child of a similar age to Ben will recognise this whole business about not remembering anything. Like if I were to ask you, Ben, what did you do in school yesterday? Yes. Well, I'll just wait until you've finished eating. I, t- I tell you what, through the marvel of editing, we'll cut to when you've finished eating your biscuit. I don't know what to do in the meantime. I'll tell you what I did at school yesterday. Okay. I did some... Oh, what's it called? Oh, what's it called? I did some phonics. And then I did some... After the fun, I did some English. Hmm. After that... After that, it was break time. And after that, we um, did some writing on our books. And then we did maths, and then it was lunch. And then after that, we did guided reading, and then it was home time. Well, do you know, I'm glad I recorded this because that is the fullest answer I've ever had from you about school. Because normally you say, um, I can't remember. And that's incredible, Ben. So thank you very much for sharing that. It, it, that same thing happens every day. So that's why I don't really tell you. <laughs> because because this, we just keep on learning new things in the thing, though. In the same thing. Order. I see. So that's why I don't really want to tell you because it it would just be the same, the same, the same, the same. The only difference would be instead of um instead of guided reading it would maybe be P. But you said you learn new things as well. Yeah. But in the but in the same like guided reading. Ben's worried that my uh, computer screen had gone a bit dark then, it was pointing at it furiously. It's okay. It still works when the screen goes dark. I was, I was, I was like going how a bullet would shoot like furiously. (laughs) But I know there's no camera, but I don't know how to, it's hard to explain. It is. Yes. On audio. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, a problem our writers encounter every day, Ben. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask you something that I'd asked you once before, but I wonder whether your answer's changed. Now you're seven. I mean, is there any difference? What's it like being seven? Uh, it's quite good because I've got lots of presents, lots of toys, lots of Xbox games. Uh, that's pretty much the only difference about my presents because every oh, and everything's moved. What? <laughs> well, everything's moved. Yeah, like everything downstairs on the DVD rack. Oh, well, that's not you. That's a different. But that's Mummy rearranging the DVDs. Yeah. She's always rearranging things. Yeah. Do you mind? Mm, not, not really. 
What's what was your favourite present? My new computer. <laughs> I'm just looking at the voice thing with that behind your com- that computer going up and down because because that's the high um the sound. It is how high the sound is. That's right. Can you see it moving as you speak? No, I behind that computer. Oh, the that the audio interface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The levels are going up and down as we speak. Hello! <laughs> that, there you are, and there you are. That was the hello. That's how loud that was. Anyway, Ben, is there anything else you want to add before I get on with the rest of the podcast? No. Okay, well... Um, the go- only thing I want to add is... Another good sound effect. Yeah. You know, in next week's interview, uh, the person I interview... Because he'd heard you with your owl keyring making that awful noise, he deliberately got one and made that noise in honour of your... <laughs> ben is smiling for <laughs> purposes of the podcast. I should tell you that. No, I'm just, I'm just going, what? <laughs> That's, I'm making a what face. A what face? Uh, right. Yeah, where do you go? What? What? Anything you want to add other than crunching a biscuit before I carry on? No. And you you go back and... You're watching the the television, aren't you? Yeah. It's actually Saturday morning. It's the 2nd of July, as Ben mentioned. But this podcast will be going out on the 4th of July. (laughs) It's a big thing in America, you know. Oh, yeah. Independence Day, mate. Ben's doing a little Independence Day dance. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Ben. I'll see you later. I better get on. Bye. Bye-bye. Right. Okay, so here's the news. Kunik. The fifth and seventh doctors are united for cold fusion. December 2016 will see the release of Doctor Who Cold Fusion, a classic multi-doctor story from the Virgin Missing Adventures range, adapted by original author Lance Parkin. The story finds a newly regenerated Fifth Doctor arrive on an occupied ice planet where the Seventh Doctor is already investigating dangerous energy experiments conducted by the Earth Empire. But events spin out of control when a refugee from the distant past arrives. Patience, the Doctor's wife? The Fifth Doctor is joined by Adric, Nyssa and Tegan, while the Seventh Doctor is supported by his new adventures companions Roz and Chris, who also appear in our other December novel adaptation, Doctor Who Original Sin. Patience is played by Christine Kavanagh, leading a supporting cast of over 30 named characters across an epic six-part adventure. The new release can be pre-ordered today in a novel adaptations bundle alongside four other recent novel adaptations. The Paul Sprague short trip writing opportunity has now closed. We've been overwhelmed by the fantastic response from our listeners with hundreds of entries received. The Short Trips producer Ian Atkins is currently making his final decisions and I'll be involved in those. And here is Ian. Uh, Thankfully, he was able to, during his busy schedule, record a little report on it for us. Over to you, Ian. Hi, Nick. Uh, it's Ian Atkins here, um, producer of the Short Trips range and, and the poor soul who volunteered to um, oversee the uh, Paul Sprague Short Trips opportunity. 
Um, yeah, that's gone amazingly well. It's been hugely uh, popular. We had, um, well, the deadline was midnight last night and um, we, we had 200 entries yesterday. Um, over across since starting it on May the 8th we had uh, let me just check we had 839 email entries uh, but there's quite a few people sent in more than one entry um, including the wonderful person who zipped up 11 in one email thank you so much for that um, it, that took it well over a thousand entries um, all of them have been read I can assure you um, I have to say it was just, it was a joy to read them all actually you get a real sense of just what a big universe the Doctor Who sort of universe is and just what you can do with it because I think we've had everything we've had kind of gritty realism we've had surrealism comedy drama everything in between um, it's just been a joy reading it actually um, I have to also say that an awful lot of people name check Paul when they emailed us either through you know, a personal experience they'd had or just having sort of heard heard about him and uh, it really made me feel this was worthwhile which is fantastic um, doing a bit of a sort of stato um, hat the the most popular pairing was the seventh doctor and ace by a long way it was a huge amount of the stories like that um, but i think just about every single doctor who era and every single Doctor Who Big Finish era has been represented by at least one entry. It, it was it was amazing actually. There were a couple of characters who cropped up, and I was having to nip off to the internet just to see who these people were. Um, but yep, really enjoyed it. I've now got the, the the wonderful task of reducing that thousand down to something a bit more manageable. Um, I've got an initial short list of a hundred. Now, quite a few of those, for various reasons, aren't winners. Um, but I did want to try and get in touch with them just to say thank you or oh I particularly like something because a lot of these ones really are really well done and it, the cliche with the competition is it's always a shame there's only got to be one winner but that is the case in this but there are a lot of very good runners up. Um, we, I know we're going to get a lot of emails and inquiries about this so I'll try and give people a time scale but hopefully by the end of next week we'll be approaching the, the, the winner um, we will get them to agree that they'll be happy to write the whole short trip, which is 5,000 words. So it's, it's quite a, a big job, not to be sniffed at. Um, we need to get the storyline approved by the BBC, um, but if everything works well, then by kind of August, late August anyway, I'm hoping that we'll have a finished script that we can take into studio. I think yourself, Nick, you're, you've, you've kindly offered to read it. Um, and then we'll, we'll be able to announce it, give it a title, and, and put it up on the website. Um, it's obviously it's going to be for free. Uh, we've looked at release dates, and we think um, December the 29th is a good day because that was actually Paul's birthday. So um, that'll be when the first one of these comes out. Uh, and then all of you people who had an entry that didn't quite make it, um, if you wait until May next year, we can we can start again. Um, I have to say we are looking at, we haven't necessarily agreed on this yet, but we are looking at changing the rule that everyone can send in as many entries as, the, as they like, because, oh my goodness, that added to the work. Uh, but anyway, thanks everyone for entering. There really wasn't one that I didn't enjoy reading in some, in some capacity, and, and it was really touching how many people said they enjoyed it. So um, thanks very much indeed, and um, now back to the studio. Oh, Ian, if only I were in a studio. <laughs> Thanks very much for that, Ian, and apologies uh, to listeners for the strange background noises, that sort of... 
noise. I think it was a vehicle reversing. But anyway, you know, he was right in the middle of his work. Uh, that's Ian and probably the guy driving as well. The new listener's title is Doctor Who Shadow of the Past by Simon Guerrier. Go on, download it. It's at a bargain price. It's a classic Liz Shaw mystery performed by Caroline John, where Liz returns to the site of a previously untold adventure for her and the third Doctor, where Unit are still keeping secrets. Here's the trailer. Unit has one solution for everything. Yates, the young captain, makes us all coffee. You know who the Doctor is, Sergeant? Sure. He was your boss. Yes, no. He didn't exactly give orders. I'm told there are some half-dozen Doctors these days, all completely different. My Doctor was more than enough for me. He had such an air about him. A lord among his own people. Tall, elegant, fancy jackets and capes. There's someone inside this thing, says the Doctor. We have a duty to help them. The other soldiers are raising their guns. The brigadier's giving the order. I want to see what's inside this thing. The ship's contents as much as the pilot. But it's also the look in the doctor's eyes. My last sight of the doctor's hymns stood there in front of the hatchway. The horror on his face. Keep away from the ship! Doctor, we need your help. And just before we end the news, recent releases are Dark Shadows, Blood and Fire, getting some excellent reviews. Dark Shadows, Echoes of the Past, also getting excellent reviews. And Unit Shutdown, which I've seen a lot of love for on Twitter. And that's the end of the news. And now some listeners' emails. Remember, you can email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. All emails are welcome. The first one up is from Alexander Muth. Hello, Mr. Briggs and Co. First, I would like to say that The Two Masters was a really superb job. Congrats to John Dorney, who wrote it, Jamie Anderson, who directed it, and everyone else involved. Too numerous to mention, I suppose. After listening to this story, I had a flash of inspiration regarding The Master. In the third Doctor story set after Frontier and Space, a completely new incarnation of the Master could be introduced, one who is between Roger Delgado's and Geoffrey Beaver's incarnations. You could even adapt Barry Letts and Robert Sloman's abandoned season finale, The Final Game. Now that could be something truly incredible. Cheers, Alexander. Well, Alexander, that is an interesting idea. Mm, we, I hadn't thought of doing that. And I've never read the uh, the story for the final game. Is it around? Is it available? I'm sure loads of people are now screaming at the podcast. Yes, it is. It's online. You can read the whole thing. Um, hmm. And that is the sound of me thinking. Food for thought. <clears throat> Next email from Steve Small. Dear Nick and Joe, on a recent podcast, you mentioned the name of a Tom Baker impersonator. As part of the Peter Davison story, The Kingmaker, some actor is doing a Tom Baker impersonation. Can you tell us who this actor is? 
Second, Nick, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Long Island in November. Yeah, there's a convention called L.I. Who, Long Island Who, and I am allegedly turning up, although I haven't heard anything about how they're getting me there. Presumably they're sending a, um, uh, some sort of rowing boat over. Uh, Colin Baker is also supposed to be there. Oh, well, that would be brilliant. I haven't seen Colin in a while. So it would be lovely to see him. So when I see you, I will walk right past him <laughs> and introduce myself. Thank you, Steve Small from New Jersey, USA. That is a reference to something I think that's been mentioned in a previous podcast where Colin is uh, joshing when people walk past him to get my autograph. It's a tricky moment. Um, yeah, the Tom Baker impersonator, I'm not sure, but I rather think it's an uncredited appearance by uh, John Culshaw, who uh, features in this very podcast in an interview, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm not sure about that. Someone, someone tell me the truth, please. Next email from Simon Rogers. I just want to send you a big thank you to your company and all those who contribute behind the scenes for creating such entertaining audio drama. My health has taken a turn for the worst recently, suffering a breakdown, and your wonderful audio dramas have certainly helped lift my mood and fire up my imagination by whisking me away to other worlds for a few hours. Anyone who suffers a mental illness will know how dark some days can be, but by listening to your audios, those dark days do become a tad brighter many thanks i really appreciate your writing in um yeah it's um it can be really tough sometimes and i'm glad that we can just do you know a little bit to, to help out um thanks for sharing that simon thank you next up jacob no surname provided so we'll call you jacob smith <laughs> Dear Big Finish, says Jacob Smith, I discovered your wonderful work when I bought The Light at the End, oh, that's our 50th anniversary special, in my freshman year of university. I get the feeling you're writing from America. I delved in from there into your other Doctor Who stories, particularly with the Eighth Doctor. I find it particularly fitting that Doom Coalition 4, the conclusion of the epic saga, is due for release in May, uh, May next year, I think, when I will graduate from college. Uh, my question is thus. Are there any plans being thrown about for how the future of the Eighth Doctor's story will be told at Big Finish once Doom Coalition has concluded? Maybe more box sets or even a series, as was done with Lucy Miller. Uh, maybe the return of some old companions for new adventures. Whatever you end up doing, I'm sure it'll be equally as brilliant as all your previous work. Much thanks for all of your fantastic contributions to the universe. Ever a fan, Jacob. P.S. Your son, Ben, is absolutely adorable. Ah, oh, bless you. And my favourite part of the podcast. Well, I'm, I hope, Jacob, that you will have been entertained by his... Um, contributions earlier on he's now enjoying himself downstairs with uh, some tin foil and uh, various plastic containers and cling film um he's he's making a fridge and something else i don't know whether any of those terms will travel across the pond very well but anyway that's what he's doing i'm sure that when the time comes to cast the 19th doctor he'll be a fantastic choice for the role <laughs> well yeah, whoever knows. Hmm. As for the plans for the Eighth Doctor, well, there is, of course, the Eighth Doctor Time War box set coming up, 
but they will of course be more eighth doctor adventures after that i'd be a fool to tell you what they were now wouldn't i that is officially the end of the email so thanks to you all for writing in well i say the end of the emails i mean the end of the emails for this podcast as i said you can email us at podcast at bigfinish.com right onwards time now to slip back in time by just a couple of weeks uh, to a top secret recording somewhere in the vicinity of Tunbridge Wells with Tom Baker when I spoke to John Culshaw. Yes, so John Culshaw, welcome to the Big Finish it podcast. Yes, it's a joy to be here and a joy to be within the podcast, within this dimension. Um, <laughs> I, I love the way you're entering into the spirit of it. Um, yes, yes, you got to. Yes, I'd, uh, we're not going to discuss why you're here. Okay, because that's that's top secret. Right. <laughs> but uh, is it true to say that you have uh, an affection for Doctor Who? Oh my goodness me! I have always loved Doctor Who since my earliest memory absolutely always always have and I can remember my first episodes I, w- I was a Pertwee child and I think it was perhaps the demons or the time monster one of those and I just watched absolutely transfixed and there was no going back and uh, getting to know the Pertwee era I wanted to discover the Troughton and the Hartnell era and the Peter Cushing movie and um, it just never leaves you once you, you know, and I, I feel the same warmth and, and love for the program now as, as ever. It only gets stronger, I think. It's the same for me. So yes, I, yes, I feel like a kindred spirit here, Nick. So um, did that lead you into, because I suppose it's still true to say what you're most well known for is impressions, impersonating yes, yes. people, although you do lots of acting and things as well. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. Why, what's the difference between it and in person, in doing impressions and acting, or is there no difference at all? Um, I think with the impressions, more often than not, you're in a sketch sort of a quick burst so you're aiming for exaggeration and you're aiming for a joke point a punchline and you're stretching things and um, showing the ridiculousness of things um, which is great fun to do um, but why I, I love doing the, the, the drama as well especially now doing more of that at this time is you're, you're following a story you know you, it, it's not such a quick quick uh, hit aiming for the punchline and out and there's you know less exaggeration. You're following a, a story, a different different pace, and it uses a different part of your brain somehow. Mm. Was that something? Did you set out to be an impressionist, or is it something that kind of crept up upon you when you realised you had a facility for doing that sort of thing? I think it did creep up actually. Yes, uh, I, I used to be. Uh, after I left school, I got a job at the local radio station, um, doing the overnight show as, as a DJ talking in between the records and um, I did that for a few years at various stations Pennine Radio in Bradford Viking Radio in Hull and there was um, a time when um, it was at Viking Radio in Hull and funnily enough um, Peter Davison was doing a show at uh, one of the theatres nearby there and um, he had a little chat on my show which I was very very, um, delighted about at the time and I just went into a few voices here and there um, 
and um, it was Anne Marie, the receptionist at Viking Radio. I'm telling you my life story here, dear oh dear. That's what we want. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me want to go into Paul O'Grady's voice and just be all anecdotal. And Anne Marie, God love her, there she was. Um, And she said to me, you know, don't don't waste the fact you can do that. Maybe that should be a focus instead of, you know, talking in between the records. And yes, I think a light bulb did appear above my head. And I thought, right, I'll, I'll, I'll go after that. And having done the presenting on radio, I suppose that gives you the ability to be able to just improvise in front of an audience. Yes, yes, a a little bit. Certain things that an audience gives you or something will remind you and it'll give you a trigger to something and you can just go off in all of those different uh, directions. I suppose radio is a good grounding for that because it's so instantaneous and spontaneous. So uh, it does give you a a bit of a, a practice run in that um, direction. I, I remember as well um, from this time watching um, John Pertwee's one-man show uh, around about 1993, this wasn't, it was at the Charter Theatre in Preston and um, I'd asked if I could go and, and do a quick interview uh, with him, very much like the way we're doing now. Um, and uh, I, I could hear that voice from behind the from behind the, the door there telling a story. So we designed it and we built it. Um, <laughs> and uh, it made me nervous to knock on the door. Took up a bit of courage to actually finally do it. And then, uh, yeah, that's all right, yes. <laughs> have a seat, have some cake. And he was just so charming. He was such a, what a brilliant raconteur I remember him being. Um, such a brilliant, brilliant storyteller. Fantastic. Fantastic. I found him slightly intimidating to me. I met him several times. Yes. He could be quite unforgiving. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes, I imagine sometimes that, that manner by, by which he would speak to the brigadier uh, <laughs> would sometimes come out in, in real life. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I think, I don't know what you think about this, whether it's con- controversial, um, but I think that um, the doctor was his his best ever acting role yeah I think it was his best performance you know it really was yes I I absolutely think so Um, you know the gravitas that he brought to that the sense of the action hero the humour the the care you know everything that's great about Doctor Who you can go to any point of the universe at any time you you are literally free as anything like that but also very rooted to those a bit of emotional moments right right in front of you things like that uh, he could he really played that so beautifully as well and i absolutely agree i think it was just utterly marvelous the full spectrum in there and he really made you care about the companions and about what was going on i, I loved that this is one of my earliest doctor who memories um when you know john pertwee's doctor i think was a great one to watch as your first as a child because when you, when you see the, the the monsters, the threats, the enemies appearing, the way that the sea devils just used to lurk, and that slow build, oh, that was chilling. That, but uh, John Pertwee's doctor instantly knew exactly what to do. It was almost like a reflex reaction, protecting the companions, identifying the threat, and knowing exactly what everyone should do. That was marvelous, absolutely marvelous. I think that if he uh, had been doing his Doctor Who today, when mm. he left the programme, he would have been offered loads more straight roles, wouldn't he? But that didn't happen. It was a different world television then. If you got known for something... Yes. 
it was like a curse almost as opposed yes. these days if you do really well then people come running to make you the star of other things yes i think that's true there's this sense of marketing that's sort of come in and uh, people want to take your profile from there and nail it onto there in a sense whereas in those days it, it seemed as though in order to you know be ready for the next thing you just needed a little bit of clear blue water just for the people's perceptions to just ease off a bit from there yeah. before you could take on the next thing which which you did so so brilliantly yes yeah uh, thinking about what you were talking about how you know you were doing impressions and doing uh, acting as well now has there been a plan in your career a vague one <laughs> I think a, a vague one my plan has always been I think it's uh you don't always know what you want to do but you, you know what you don't want to do and oh, just yeah. look at it from that way around and just sort of see what happens things r ring true um, I'm loving doing that little bit more drama now it, it's wonderful to be here um, um, you know there's such very happy days here and the stories are so delicious and beautifully done um, so yeah doing, doing a little bit more drama is a, that, that's a pleasing thing yeah. at this time Okay, any plans for the future that you dare share with us? Any thoughts about what you'd really like to do in Oh, future? my goodness. If I were to be aged about 55 and playing the Doctor, I think that's all of our dream, isn't it? Yeah, I'm 55 next year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Magic, well, you... <laughs> be talking to myself, <clears throat> I? I, I, I love what you do with the Daleks. I th you know you. that's abs I love what you do with the Daleks, uh, that real, just that that deliciousness of that evil. As Terence Dix always used to say, there is absolutely nothing good about a Dalek. You see, you know that their one response is to uh, do, do uh, you know, they have no conversation, they have no lighter side. You see that their one response is to exterminate you. <laughs> I know it is glorious to play. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I think you've made them wonderfully. There's an impatience you've brought to them as well. Not not only now will the Daleks exterminate you if you disobey them, they'll exterminate you if you irritate them, and I think that is just delicious. Brilliant. Of course, it's all in the writing. Bit. It's all in the writing. Um, uh, two last questions. Now, well, I don't know whether you ever listen to any Big Finish. Do you listen to any? Yes, I do. I do. Um, okay. I... Well, what's been tingling your molecules or agitating them? I can't decide which word to use. Um, about Big Finish at the moment that you've listened to recently? Anything in particular? I thought, um, I remember listening back to uh, the, the You Are the Doctor um, uh, episodes with uh, oh. Sylvester and Sophie, which that was actually my first Big Finish. Uh -huh. um, so I'm, I'm very grateful and affectionate for that. And the sense of uh, the, the uh, listener being able to navigate their way through. And also, um, and I know Sylvester very, very well. He's a great mate. On many a Monday night, we'll go for a, an Indian at the Fleet Tandoori. And uh, the sense of uh, pure disbelief, sort of seeing Sylvester as the doctor right by my side. It really was like being in a parallel world. I have to borrow Tom's voice just to, uh, just to uh, convey uh, the sense of, uh, of what that felt like. <laughs> Tom being here as well today, the anecdotes are just wonderfully endless. You've met him before. Yeah, yeah yes. Um, over, uh, let me see, I think the, fir the first time was when we, we, we did a, a show called 
uh, alter ego together which the, the idea was you impersonate the person whilst being them right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> some could take it in their stride more more than others uh, Tom and Patrick Moore were the ones who uh, who took it in their stride with, with, with Tom and Patrick Moore it was as if do an impression at the side of them and uh, it's like they've got a new uh, mischievous twin <laughs> to collaborate with. <laughs> so that was very, very interesting indeed. Yes, I've always thought that Sir Patrick Moore would have given the Doctor some great advice on where to land the TARDIS in the solar system. Neptune, well, no, I would probably sort of like set it to hover somewhere in orbit. Mars, probably Sirtis Major, I would think. <laughs> who, who, couldn't, who couldn't deal with it? Was there anyone... Had difficulties. Oh, with, with, with doing an impression. I heard that um, Michael McIntyre had been a little bit. What? What is this? What is the meaning of this? Why? Why are they impersonating me? Why are they impersonating me? Um, <laughs> that almost sounded like a Dalek, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> 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 Put a little bit of like a happy comedy. That's a, yeah, that'd be an interesting hybrid, wouldn't oh, it? Oh yeah, the comedy Dalek. Oh <laughs> goodness gracious! Um, but I, I heard that he wasn't immediately sure apparently he'd said um, that uh, his granny had watched the, the sketches that we did of him and thought it was him and uh, <laughs> he said he couldn't bring himself to look at it because it would scare the life out of him <laughs> although at a charity do um, not long after that um, for the variety charity he, w he was doing an auction and uh, he, he said he says, you sort of come on the stage and you can impersonate me with me and maybe one of these people will give something to the auction for this, for this. Um, so uh, he, he couldn't have been that, um, you know, uh, down about it if he did a generous thing like that. Um, but yes, usually it's people who you don't do that they're more offended that way around. Oh, yeah, yes. You know, people want to be on the radar, so they want you to... That's a very good point, isn't it? Yes. There was that whole thing with Michael Heseltine wanted his... Uh, Spitting image puppet, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Got a lot of people, you know, bought them. Um, you know, David Steele thinking that you know his being in David Owen's pocket was very damaging. Mm -hmm. um, Margaret Thatcher saying, "Yes, it's very amusing, but secretly not quite liking it." You know, no. but having wanting to be seen to be amenable to it. It's very interesting. I had the same thing when that guy went on Britain's Got Talent with a saucepan on his head pretending to be a talent. <laughs> People say, you have a job then, Nick? I, and I, I just said, yes, he's better than me. <laughs> no, that's impossible. That's impossible. <laughs> now, the other fi and final question you'll be relieved to hear is um, what is agitating your mo molecules about entertainment generally something that you're into at the moment you know something on tv radio a book anything you like that is particularly entertaining you that Ooh. you can share with us and recommend to people let me see let me see let me see i've seen a few clips um of uh, forces of nature which is going to be brian cox's latest uh -huh. event and I, I do think he's a brilliant um science communicator um and you know, the, now that he's sort of like uh, doing other stuff on top of all the astronomy, um, I'm enjoying watching all of that. Um, and I think the techniques that he's showing are really stretching out. <laughs> and the sense of looking up at something bright and pointing before the camera pulls back for a cinematic silhouette. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of that, so that, that'll be good for the... Um, 
uh, just you know topping up the uh, profile of the impression of you know one of my favorite characters what else uh, <laughs> randomly um I, I caught an old episode of um, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Oh my goodness, right. Yeah. I love picking out random things mm. unexpectedly like that. And that was a, a fantastically enigmatic programme. The way he would walk along a beach in Colombo and then dispel all the logic about any particular paranormal subject. I thought it was absolutely wonderful that. Arthur C. Clarke, he could work with the Doctor, couldn't he? Oh yeah. Well, he he predicted so much of the future, didn't he? Yes, technology. he did. He yeah, did. He, he really, really did. Some of his um, descriptions of the, the iPad, for example, I think in the late 60s, Arthur C. Clarke was describing a small handheld computer which would show an image no bigger than a stamp. And if you type in a simple binary code, that image will fill the entire screen. And this was in the late oh. 60s. How close was that? And that just must have seemed like some nonsense vision back then. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Ah, poppycock, <laughs> they would have said, as they did in those days. So, yes, I like r random things mm. like that. Well, OK, we've had your all your favourites, and I think uh, I can let you get back to work now. Well, yes, yes, to be... Very delicious... Uh, alien creature. I remember um, just studying um, for this and looking at the when that uh, character, the father of, uh, of who I'm portraying first appeared. I, imagine being a seven-year-old and seeing that this sort of really sinister you know, seeing those um, be, being a child in those days and seeing uh, some of those scenes. Terrifying. I will of course bleep out all the references there so that'll be fascinating for people. <laughs> But ah. David will interview you later about that. All right. Yes. Am I, I'm, am I giving away things too early? Thank you very much. Nick, it's a great pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to John. Absolute pleasure to work with you. And uh, let's hope it happens again soon. Time now to activate the Randomoid Selectatron. And it's last of the colophon. Ooh, now, dare I tell you the truth about this? It, um, it was a fantastic script by Johnny Morris, as always. Um, um, and a, a great guest performance by the recently uh, deceased Gareth Thomas, who I'd known for quite a few years and worked with quite often, specifically in Dalek Empire. And it was lovely to work with Gareth again. Of course, he's famous to sci-fi fans like us for his role as Blake in Blake 7, but as an extremely accomplished actor, having done all sorts of incredible work over the years, not least with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I think I first met Gareth when he was playing a part in Storm Warning, the uh, first Eighth Doctor story we did with Paul McGann. And I was really taken by how brilliant he was and what a professional he was and, and just lovely to be around. And I thought I must work with this man on something I write at some point, which is why I immediately thought of him when I did Dalek Empire. Anyway, that's not the outrageous thing I was hinting at earlier. Uh, on Last of the Colophon, uh, towards the end, something terrible happens to the um, uh, 
the villain of the piece. I'll say no more. And I remember that uh, Tom Baker was really getting into uh, the the whole aspect of the punishment of this villain. And and I I gave him a note which says, I don't think you should gloat so much. I think the doctor's nicer. Now, um, (laughs) Tom really, really took exception to this note and said, you know, that I sounded like the Archbishop of bleeping Canterbury. And... um, uh, we eventually persuaded him that perhaps the doctor shouldn't be uh, quite so horrid to someone, even though they were an enemy, um, because, you know, it's all part of the BBC guidelines and, and part of the character of the doctor. And I think sometimes, you know, because Tom is so close to his doctor and the, the character, uh, you know, Tom, I think Tom's a little would be a little bit harsher about people who did uh, villainous things, and so yeah, that was my uh, really one encounter with uh, um, an aspect of Tom's character which people historically have spoken about him back in the seventies, um, and it was it was quite bruising for me. And um, bless Lou Jameson, she phoned me the next day. Uh, I'd had rather a sleepless night after it because I'd found it a bit disturbing um but i realized that um in my work with tom at that stage i was spending a lot of time concentrating in the control room and not spending much time in the green room and i I suddenly realized that really i'd just become this voice uh disembodied voice in his head and who he rarely saw through the glass because he's uh, into the control room because his uh, seat faces the other way and i thought i'm just this nagging person who only ever says no to anything he says and i just thought you know I should um, and I really enjoyed his company so I I made an effort to spend more time chatting with him at that point and uh, I have to say we've never looked back really because um, it was just a question of making more of a connection with him as a human being and uh, he's been a lot happier with me ever since so it's been great fun but yeah so I suppose Last of the Colophon was a bit of a sort of watershed for me anyway it's a really great adventure you know Johnny Morris is really clever at um, pinpointing the key elements that make up an exciting story and specifically an exciting story that has the flavour of a particular era of Doctor Who and um, I loved all the post-production work on it by Jamie Robertson, who is a genius, and that doesn't get said enough. I mean, all our sound designers and, and uh, composers are geniuses, and and their work largely goes unnoticed. People always focus on the actors and the story and the scripts, but the only reason that all that is actually getting to you and, and sounding as good as it does and as polished as it does is because of the work that people like Jamie do. Um, and this was one of his greatest trailers. He, he said, what do you think of this? And I absolutely loved it. And here it is, the trailer for Last of the Colophon. Many years ago, a freak bacterial mutation created a pathogenic strain that was lethal and resistant to all known medicine. A loss of civilization. This lifeless grey rock just got a whole lot more interesting. I do not think you have brought us to the right place for a holiday. There is nothing here but stones and sand. It is a desert world. Yes, no sign of life. And you know what that means, don't you? No? What does that mean? It means nothing will disturb our peace and quiet. You spent a thousand years waiting for a single alien visitor and then two come along at once. The vapor trail of a spaceship. It looks like somebody else has come here for a holiday. The door is closing. 
Don't panic. There must be some way to open it again. Why make a door that can only be opened from the outside? Because, Leela, that door wasn't designed to keep visitors out. It was designed to keep something in. Right then, in a moment, I'll be telling you what's coming up in the next podcast. But first, our latest releases. Torchwood Broken is available now. John Barrowman and Gareth David Lloyd star together in a new story by Joseph Lidster, revealing the beginnings of Jack and Yanto's relationship. Taking place soon after the events of the horrifying Cyberwoman, Yanto Jones is alone and miserable until Captain Jack Harkness walks into his local pub. Look at it. God, I love this city. So, uh, Lisa. Uh, how did you do- With respect, sir, I'd rather not talk about it. Understood. You do understand. I understand you did I, what had to be done, yes, sir. But I am sorry. Yes, sir. Can we just look for the weaver, please? Come on. <laughs> it's seen us. Or smelt us. So what do we do? Disable it. Anti-weevil spray. You distract it and help it. Is that a stick? Are you going to poke it with a stick? That is your distraction? I'm not going to poke it. Come on! And long-term Big Finish listeners can expect a special surprise appearance in this release. But we won't spoil it for you here. You'll have to listen. Also out the new countermeasures, Who Killed Toby Kinsella? The worlds of Doctor Who's other top secret team return this week with a feature-length special from writer John Dorney and writer-director Ken Bentley. A decade after the shocking events of Countermeasures Series 4. What do you mean you haven't listened to it? Catch up now! A sudden and shocking assassination sees a group of old friends reunite for the first time in years. Toby! Toby, come out, come out, wherever you are. Rather not, if it's all the same to you. Oh, don't be like that. Pop your head out and say hello. It's been a long time. It's not like you've got many friends left. Friends are overrated. Why aren't I surprised? Well, if you won't come out willingly... Oh. I get... Ow. Maybe I did. Maybe you're not that easy to kill. <laughs> Playing the silent game, are we? Good. I like a challenge. If you're not dead, you are moving. Which way? Ah! Any better? Look, you're wasting time. It's you I want, and I will get you. All you're buying yourself is a few more minutes to run, and some of us must be a little bit old for running these days. Come on. I'm a busy man. I have things to do. Then come and get me. And uh, 
Joe Smith, who's provided this beautiful script for this podcast, uh, says that this new release sees the return of Simon Williams, Pamela Salem, Karen Gledhill and Hugh Ross and features some authentically 70s music by someone called Nicholas Briggs, it says here. (laughs) I have to say I had great fun working on it. I hope you enjoy it. Also coming later in the month, Doctor Who, Classic Doctor's New Monsters. The classic and new series of Doctor Who come crashing together as the 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th Doctors take on the sworn enemies of their later incarnations. Weeping Angels, Jadoons, Sycorax and the new slightly bluer Sontarans are all featured in new and unexpected scenarios. Have a listen to the trailer. Let's hope 19th century England is ready for the Jadoon. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Michelangelo! Who the blazes are you? Get back from the angel! What? Sontaha! Sontaha! You brought your fight into real time. Take your war, your cruel, senseless time war, and leave. You speak their language? Oh, yes. They're the cigarettes. What? Separate and ferment search. I'm the only chance you have. Doctor, the, the rain, he's trying to snuff out his torch. Keep your eyes on it, don't even blink. This sector of space was contaminated by temporal flux. Why has security not reached that room? These blocks all around. The, the angel could be anywhere. Give us the secrets of the humans. If you're a time lord, you can make things better. If you bring the time war here, they will have to live with the consequences. You may be able to control humans, but you will never understand them. Any moment now, the infamous doctor will be nothing but carbonized molecules. No, no, stop! Doctor Who. Classic Doctor's New Monsters. Volume 1. The angel. I can't see it. I can't see anything. Big finish. We love stories. Gabby, I think it's coming. Joel? I love Joel. you. And you can pre-order that now from the Big Finish website with our special bundle, which also includes the Diary of River Song, Series 1, and Doctor Who, The Churchill Years, Volume 1. Yes, all available at a money-saving price in the bundle. Well, that's it. Uh, No special drama attached to this podcast either. Um, Just time, though, to tell you what's coming up in the next podcast. We delve behind the scenes of Big Finish to let you know some of the people who you maybe don't hear much about. I mean, I've already mentioned the sound designers and composers, and we shall talk to some of them in the coming months, I hope. But uh, Tom Saunders is a name that you may or may not have heard of, but he's an extremely talented uh, cameraman, editor and animator. And he does all the visual video content for Big Finish. If you have a look on our YouTube page and also um, YouTube channel, I think what the young people call it is. and also often on Facebook and Twitter. All those beautiful moving images are provided by Tom. Anyway, we have a chat with him. When I say we, I just mean me. Uh, Tom and I have a chat in the next podcast. But for now, that's all from me. Uh, Ben's downstairs playing. No point trying to get him up here to say goodbye. So, bye for now. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, 
a life of crime. So, this is how it's going to go down. Freddy and Frank, you'll be taking the mini-hovers down the promenade. Charlie, you wait for the signal, then get the container truck moving. Then, Freddy and Frank activate their gizmos. The signal goes out, and we snarl up the whole city, all apart from Main Street. Charlie's taken us to Main Street, the security centre, right over the vault of the Bank of Rocosta. All that's left to do is break inside. That's where we are, is it? Ricosta? Yes, a retirement haven for certain types of business person. Don't tell me you've never heard of Lefty Lonigan, the most successful career criminal this sector has ever known. Right, that type of business person. Well, we have a job lined up that uh, you could be a good fit for. And why might you be needing help? Well, you see... I'm in rather a lot of trouble. Really? You don't look the type. So, you're saying you broke into my house to see if I need any help? In a roundabout way. So that's your plan, Doctor. Rob a bank and have me drive the getaway car. Help? You seem more like a hindrance to me. How quickly we've got to know one another. Big Finish. We love stories.